how much of the lack of uh, expectations um, or desire, I don't want to even say desire, there's there's such a low bar for what businesses' expectations are for the digital analyst um, that unless you're really self-motivated, do we even have to achieve mastery? By, by that I mean... Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Yeah, I, I saw that note just uh, just a few minutes ago. So it's, it looks like it's going to be just us again uh, for this week. Man, I don't know if we have enough to carry a full episode. So, and when we say that, we're going to go fifty minutes. <laughs> so I'm trying out um, I'm trying out these blue blocker glasses. Okay. And uh, the research is skeptical that they work, but I'm trying them out. And I became even more skeptical when they sent me this card and this blue light emitter with it Mm -hmm. so you're supposed to like shine the blue light on this card and then see how it stains the card blue yes and then it 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 goes away eventually and then you do it through the lens and it does and that doesn't stain the card blue yeah like i mean that's you know the first thing that comes to your mind is like you know did they rig it so it does that I'm sure I, that's what my thought was. Like, why are they over, like, overselling it? I was just going to try it out anyway. Like, I don't need the <laughs> little blue light emitter, but it's 20 bucks, so I thought it, it's uh, worth a shot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it came with a hard case. The hard case is worth 20 bucks. <laughs> uh, how'd you come across those? Amazon. Okay. I'm a... I, I buy way too much stuff on Amazon. Oh, same here. There, there, there's a ton of stuff in my cart right now. So here's the little GoPro. Suzanne oh, nice. gave me as, as an early uh, birthday present. Uh, so I have it for the baby in two weeks. Um, so, of course, right now I've got all the accessories in, in my cart. Like the, you can't, like the head strap and the body mount and like that stuff? Not that one, but I'm looking at the hand strap. So this way I can kind of oh, have okay. it here yeah, on my yeah, hand. Yeah. Instead of, so she it, it, she got it with like a case that has like two accessories to it. One is like the monopod, like the extending monopod, mm-hmm. which then also splits out into a little tripod. tripod. Cool. So it, it's got that um, and it's got like a little rubber case. You can put it on with a lanyard on it so you can have that. But like instead of, you know, I'm thinking that I'm, I'm not going to take it biking or something like that, you know, the, the hand mm-hmm. uh, mount. But instead of doing this, I can keep my hand free and still kind of have it. So awesome! Um, I, I think you, I think you will want the head mount, though. You think so? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have one, and it's it's kind of fun just to play with. Okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna bring it with me to to Summit next week. Cool. Um, See, that's where the yeah. head mount would be cool because you could just like walk <laughs> around from session to session through the vendor pavilion and just kind of get a a yeah. point of POV shot, you know. 
<laughs> or, or I could do this, you know, and of course we, you know, people can't see what, what I'm doing, but like, you know, with the, the extender, turn it around and make it like a selfie stick and walk yeah, around yeah. like this. Right. You know, um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm planning on having some fun with it next week. So do you, do, uh, do you stand while you record the podcast? I do. Okay. Yeah. So I've got my standing desk and I've got like a little, they, they, they call it the wharf board. And oh it's yeah. An inflatable, yeah. It's an inflatable mat. So it kind of, I'm not like standing on the hard floor, but I do have a drafting chair. Mm. So every now and then, like I'll, I'll, I'll sit down in that. So, um, I, I use that when I really need time to, to focus on something. Um, but for the most part, I stand for the better part of the day. That's a lot. I tried that once. Um, and maybe it's cause I didn't invest in a mat, but like after two or three days, my feet were just like killing me. I'm like, mm -hmm. how do like people that stand all day do this? This is brutal. Yeah. Um, you, you definitely need some form of mat and I like the work board. I've had it maybe almost two years at this point. Um, uh, cause it's also elevated. So again, you know, you would talk about something like, you know, it is, you know, the audience is here the the jury's still out on it, but like the whole idea of just moving around. So like I can put my ankles on the floor, my the balls of my feet on the mat, and then just kind of lift and kind of stretch out like you know, your, your Achilles, your, your calves or whatnot. It's elevated just enough that you get that kind of movement. Got it. Got it. Because, you know, one of the things I've learned with you know, the gym and the coach I work with, like my legs from my hips all the way down to my ankles are incredibly tight just mm. because growing up, I never really stretched them. Yeah. So this is the first time in, you know, 38 years, I've really put some kind of stretching routine into that. So I'm constantly working on my hamstrings, my calves, my Achilles and stretching them out. Got it. Well, multitasking at its best. Yep. Glad it's working. Did you hear my Alexa device go off signaling that I had to have a delivery that is coming in this morning? No, I background. didn't. Okay. <laughs> it, it goes off every day. Did you did you notice that, or did you see the announcement from Amazon that they're going to offer like a bundling thing for certain deliveries so you don't have to have everything spread out all over time? If you want to like reduce the footprint of your shipments, you can like bundle things and have it delivered once a week. I did see that. I think that's a really good idea, um, especially as um, you and I have talked about this. Uh, a year or more ago um just the the thefts off people's porches yeah um if you know uh there's a day of the week that things are coming you could prepare for it yeah because i mean th th there are times like packages arrive i'm like wait a minute what did i order <laughs> uh, you know there's like two or three packages out there just because yeah like you, you go through amazon oh i like that and i like that and yeah, yeah. i definitely order way too much from them too it's so easy to do. Well, so this is our second podcast that we're recording using Squadcast. We're, we're, we're playing around a Squadcast. And have you noticed that John has yet to join us when we've done a Squadcast episode? He's always got something to do. I'm skeptical. Maybe he doesn't want to be on, on video. <laughs> on video. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see when they come out with the ability. Not that there's a lot of people that really want to watch us record, but I'm sure there's a few, few on the weird side out there that wouldn't mind, you know, watching a video of the podcast. So it'd be, it'd mm -hmm. be cool to see that feature. And if anything, we get some good bloopers. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. All right. Well, so John is not with us again. I believe he is on his way to L.A., and then he's going to make his way in a few days to Vegas for Summit. Um, so it's just the two of us. I hope we yep. can uh, carry this one. What What is our conversation about today? So this is one, it's a follow-up from our previous conversation. And as part of that episode, um, you, you, you had talked about the idea of developing mastery in one's craft. Uh, becoming a master in what you do. And as part of that, we both talked about and use the analogy of elite athletes who develop mastery in, in their craft and they get, they, they develop it to such a degree that they're able to slow the pace of a game down to a level where they're actually two steps ahead of everybody. And I know like I, um, I used, you know, the conversation with Peter Forsberg, I think when it came to ice hockey, he was the best at it. And you, he was so good, you could actually see him in, in doing this. Um, and you could talk about, you know, uh, many, many other elite athletes, you know, that could do that. So let's think about what we do. Um, how can an in- individual go about creating a level of mastery in their craft, in the business world, in analytics, in technology, so as to slow the pace uh, down to a level where they need it to be to be successful? So think about that in, in the business world. How do you slow things down that you don't make rash decisions? That you, if everybody else is running in a frantic pace and that's the worst time to make a decision. You know, when you're frantic, you make some of the worst decisions you can make. Um, how do you not get caught up in the frantic pace of others? You know, you've heard people with cliche sayings like, you know, your lack of pre- or preparation it doesn't constitute an emergency on my side. The latest one I've heard of the last couple of years is, you know, not my circus, not my monkeys. It's the same kind of concept. Like, how can you develop yourself so you don't get caught up in that? And this can also go into other uh, other areas, too. But really thinking of just like timing and, and being prepared. We, we need to set a massive, massive stretch goal to get Tim Ferriss on our on our podcast <laughs> i i think he, okay i think he's the master of of kind of hacking that um that that process but it, it's an interesting discussion um and i was actually thinking about it earlier this week before i even realized that this was a the topic of of this week's podcast and i and i can't remember what what started me down that path i i think I get on these like kicks where I start watching a video on on YouTube, and then like an hour and a half later, I'm I'm down some rabbit hole of who knows, um, you know, and and it usually ends up on some watching someone do some crazy thing on an instrument. Um, and I love watching people play the guitar and other things. I I'm not a guitar player. I wish I could. I don't think I have the dexterity in my fingers to do that. You know, I play the bass and I play the piano. Guitar playing is just a whole other level. Um, but I just I'm just fascinated by some of these guitar masters, how easy they make it look. And and you know it isn't, right? Like you see these crazy yeah. chords and the way that they're manipulating their fingers to play these like amazing um notes. It's just it's just awe inspiring to me. And it got me thinking about how how did they get there? And and I started to think through where I've had success and where I've had failures in trying to master certain things. And to me, I, the the common theme was consistency. And and I was actually thinking about our podcast and some of the other things that we were doing. I'm like, you know, how did this start to, to really take off and become something? And I think that 
one of the keys was we were consistent in doing it every Friday and we started to get better, right? And if you think back to our first few episodes, it was clunky and it was maybe hard to listen to and brutal, but you know, we've gotten better um, and we'll continue to get better and, and smoother. And, and, and I truly believe a key part of that is that we decided to be consistent and do it every Friday. Um, and, and I've noticed that in, in things that I try to master, whether it's spending time in the kitchen cooking, which I love to do, uh, or, or playing the piano, I, I notice that where I set goals and hold myself accountable to consistency, that that's where I make the biggest improvements in towards mastery. Uh, and, and, and I believe that like mastery is kind of an elusive goal and that you're never really there, right? But you're getting incrementally closer. But as you get closer, things slow down and it becomes much easier for you to, to go through that. And so, you know, I, I think a lot about playing the piano and to me, it's less about the hours and the cadence and more about the consistency. So it's less about, I should practice 30 minutes a day, every day. And it's more about, well, maybe it's 30 minutes, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that's okay. As long as I'm hitting that consistency. And when I'm not, that's where I tend to, to struggle. And if we, if we draw a parallel to that, to our day jobs, it, it really starts to show where we, we struggle with things. So, you know, I would love to be able to open up Python or R and just whip out a statistical model to predict, you know, future sales. I can't. And the reason why I can't is I only dabble in it, right? Maybe I take an online course here and there. Maybe I actually write a model for one of our clients. Maybe I just play around with some data on a weekend when I'm bored, but there's no consistency to it. You know, I'm not doing it every week. I'm not touching it all the time. And so for me, it's a struggle. It's things are just moving too quickly for me to grasp. But if I were to prioritize it and consistently work on it, I think it would eventually get easier and things would slow down for me. Uh, but I, I just haven't. It hasn't become one of my priorities to do that. So that's my opening thought. Mm -hmm. So, so you're, you're saying we're talking about practice. <laughs> Come on, man. What are we talking about? Practice? <laughs> not, 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 not the game. Not the game that I would die for. We talking about practice, man. <laughs> I, I know. You know, it's funny to me too. No, yeah, we're talking about practice. Yeah, it's funny, you know, as, as you're talking about that, I was thinking about a book um, I read last year. So it's, again, sports, just to, let's keep the sports theme going. It was about uh, what uh, Adam Greenberg is, is his name. Um, and he uh, was a baseball player that got one at bat. Uh, his first at bat in the major leagues, I mean, he was a top prospect for the, the Florida Marlins now the Miami Marlins, uh, was called up his very first at bat. Uh, pitcher throws a fastball, loses control, though, and he doesn't duck out of the way fast enough, so he gets gets it right back here in the back of the head, like the, the lower base of the skull. Um, like he said, like, the, the sound of it, like he's panicking. He's thinking, like, he remembers being on the ground, and he remembers, like, holding his head. He feels like, I have to hold my head because my skull's cracked. My brain's going to fall out if I let go. That's how hard he was hit. Wow. Um, and after that, like, he had massive post-concussion uh, uh, symptoms. And he, ne he, he tried to get back, um, but never made it back to the major league. Uh, 
uh, major leagues. Like he played in the minors, kept trying to make it on teams, but because of the time he had lost, like he just was never able to get back. Like he missed that prime of his career because we're talking years. There was finally a campaign for him to get like one more at bat, like get him a real at bat. Um, and he ended up having that right before he retired. But, you know, when they were talking about him as a kid, the reason why he was a top prospect, and if he didn't get hit, chances are he was going to be a great player, was the consistency. You know, he would talk about how when he was a kid, he'd just be out in the backyard swinging a bat. And like 100, you know, 100 200 swings a day just to develop like that, that, that muscle memory, that, that, that natural instinct of the, the bat pattern so you're not you know getting up there and feeling flustered and just swinging at anything you have a nice smooth swing so when you were talking about the consistency i was thinking about that part of the book i'm gonna have to like check that out that sounds like a an amazing story it, it was i mean it, it's also very sad yeah. <laughs> on, on a side yeah. note it, it, it's very sad because you know, one of the things he talks about is the, the the stages of grief he went through. And he talks about how for a while he was angry, you know, that, you know, what should have been a major league career was stolen from him. And then ultimately, as he um, as he progressed, he realized, you know, I'm, I'm here for something else. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm going to do something else. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Um so speaking of of books, um, what are your thoughts on? Um, was it in Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, where he talked about his ten thousand hour rule of practice? Um, and then recently there was a I don't know a Harvard or a Princeton study that I, I completely destroyed at least according to their study that that notion that practice was all that important. Um, it seems like there's there's competing thoughts uh, around it, um, and, and again, to me, I don't know if it's as much about the number of hours as it is the the consistency. But what what have what have you seen? Um, and and you know, I'll link up the the I think it's the Princeton study and um, mm-hmm. a synopsis of of Malcolm Gladwell's ten thousand hour rule. But what what have you seen in in your career? I guess in general in your life of, of things that you've looked to master or, or things that um, you've looked to pick up in your career. I know early on at 33, six, one of the things you wanted to invest more in was development skills. So what was, what did you kind of anecdotally pick up um, in, in any of those processes? Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's a couple good things um, in there. I definitely, I missed the Princeton study. So definitely send that over. I want to read it because my gut reaction again i want to read it first but my gut reaction is to call bs um because i while i do believe that people have natural talents um for for certain things or natural tendency to be able to latch on and quickly learn something uh, i believe practice consistency whatever you want to call it is is necessary especially when you want to talk about mastery so a couple things. Let, let's first talk. Again, I'm going to keep the sports theme going this entire episode. Um, let, let's talk about Michael Vick for a moment. So Michael Vick drafted, started his career with the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. He had amazing speed, and he had amazing God given talent. You know when it came to being a quarterback, 
so much so, I mean, one of the things you've read about him, I know I've read about him, is that... Okay, so we were talking Mike Vick. Yep, okay, there we go. Now we're back. And just so you know, like I'm looking in the panel here, I see a second set of files uploading for each of us, so we're good. Um, so I was talking about Michael Vick, and before we, we drop there for a second, and one of the things early in his career, and I mean, th this has been written about, where he relied so much on his skill, he didn't study the play, playbook like your top quarterbacks normally do. Um, he just relied on, I, I drop back, I look for my primary receiver. If he's not available, I run. And that worked early in his career. Now, we all know what happened uh, with the dogfighting ring. We're not going to talk about that. But then when he, after he served his time, the Eagles and Andy Reid gave him a second chance and he came here in Philadelphia. And one of the things is, is he still was fast, but he had lost a step. And because he didn't put the practice in early in his career, did not consistently work on having other options other than primary receiver or run, you could see he lost a step. He wasn't the threat that he was still a threat. Don't get me wrong. He was still a top athlete, but he wasn't the threat he was early in his career or the threat he could be as he started to lose a step, because if, if we look at some of the top athletes, you know, being sports fans, you know that, you know, once they hit 30, the, the majority of them start to go on a decline. So you start to see them adjust their game and practice other areas of the game so they can remain top athletes. So that, that that's one thing that comes to mind when I say, you know, I call BS on practice not being necessary. So yeah. if, if I look in... In, in my personal life, and I want to tie it back a bit to, to some of the, the initial questions I had asked, is um, I know early in my career, I was able to keep my to-do list in my head and keep it organized. And I was able to do it. But within a few years, you know, I started to realize the reason I was able to do that was because I was still early in my career. I was just starting to gain responsibility that... I, you know, after a while, I couldn't keep everything in my head. I was starting to drop stuff because I wasn't writing it down. I was still relying on just keeping everything stored in my head on what I needed to do. But as my responsibilities in my career grew, I couldn't keep everything in my head. I had to write stuff down. So, because one of two things would happen. Either I was constantly thinking about what I had to do. So I would just skim over what I was actively working on. So it took up concentration power. Or I would just completely forget it. So I had to develop a system and consistently use it where I, I, I had a working list of what are my, my priorities. And the, the initial purpose of that was to keep items I had to do organized and not, you know, and, and not lose something. But then as I further got into my career where, you know, people then start to feel the, 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 the pressure of multiple demands coming in and needing to prioritize it, it's also that, that that mechanism of not getting into a panic mode. It, it's right now, it's when I start to feel that panic come on. It's one of those things where I, I say, okay, this is when I need to step back and look at my list. Because what I will do before I wrap up the, the, the previous day, before I wrap up my work day, I will look at my list and say, okay, these are the top two or three things I need to make sure either move forward tomorrow or accomplish tomorrow. And so then I come in the next day, I look at the list again. Okay, that's what I set out from the previous day. Um, that gives me peace of mind at night where I can just turn my brain off and just relax. But then the next day, like if I come in and there's 
you know, email after email, like, you know, I'm kind of going through a phase of that right now. Um, what I'm able to do is say, okay, look at the items that have say come in early in the morning. Are any of them like walls burning down emergencies? No, I'll put them on the list, but still focus on those top two to three items I had set the, the day before. And that's something that comes with practice. It's the consistency of making sure I just don't shut down at the end of the day. I plan out the next day. If it's a Friday, I plan out the next week. Um, so there, there, there's consistency there. So then it becomes a habit. But then also training your inner voice so that when you start to feel that panic come on, that that rush of, oh, my God, everybody just leave me alone. I'm trying to work on things. The list kind of allows you to pull yourself out of the weeds and yeah. um, and reorganize yourself, reorient yourself so that you, you can say, okay, I, I, I saw what you sent over. I will look at it, but right now these are the items I need to focus on. So do, yeah. does that answer your question? It, it does. And I, and I want to come back to the day-to-day -day work scenario, because I think there are some, some real challenges in there that we can have a discussion about how, how the traditional employee develops mastery if they're always in game mode. So, you know, it's, it's hard to practice new techniques and learn new things if you're always in game mode, uh, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people are at work or they're just taking it off. Um, so I want to come back to that, but I want to touch on, you know, staying on the athlete theme. I want to touch on free solo real quick, which is an amazing documentary that everyone should watch. It, it is just mind boggling. So, uh, I, I'm not going to ruin the whole story. I think maybe everyone knows the the outcome. So Alex Honnold is a, is a free climber. He climbs without the aid of, of any ropes. Um, and he was, um, I think the first to ever free solo half dome and the first to ever, first and only to ever free solo El Cap. And um, he, his training regiment is insane. And I'm going to screw up his quote, um, but he, he was talking about, there was a scene in the movie where the, the park rangers passed some new regulation that you can only stay in the park like seven days in a calendar year. And he's like, if you want to do anything amazing, you have to be here and climbing all the time. And so he's like, my workaround was I, I come to the park, I climb, and then I drive my van just outside the park gates and I park on the side of the road and sleep. And then in the morning I come back in and I climb. He was religious about just constantly putting in the work and noting where he needed to make subtle changes in his technique. But one of the things, and it happens in like literally the last 30 seconds of the film, is he just free solos El Cap, becomes the first person ever to do it. A mind-boggling achievement. And he goes back down. He kind of celebrates it for a second. And one of the guys says, well, what are you going to do now? He's like, I'm going to go back to my, my van and hangboard. So hangboard, he's got a hangboard in his van where he works on his technique to hang on small little pieces of rock. He had just accomplished this amazing thing. He's like, I got I to gotta get back to practice more. Um, and, and so a great documentary just from the entertainment perspective, but if you want a case study in freaking putting in the work and having it, out, uh, re result in amazing outcomes, man, watch free solo. It is, it is a fantastic, fantastic documentary. Yep. It, it, it's on my list. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but okay. I'm going to have if some time coming if, up soon. If you haven't, you, you are, you're going to have plenty of time to, to watch. If you haven't watched it yet. Can I recommend, and I think I put this on Twitter, please watch Valley Uprising first. That's it. Okay, I was going to ask you about and that And then one. watch Free Solo. 
it will give you the the history of of the park and mm-hmm. and really climbing El Cap, and it will make what what Alex did even that much more impressive. I think the first ascent of El Cap uh, was done um, in in something like eighteen months, um, and it was done over multiple trips. The first guy that actually did it in one climb, I I think. Uh, his name, his name was Royal, um, and he did it in, uh, I don't know, like two weeks um, mm-hmm. in one consistent push, and and Alex ends up free soloing it, free soloing, um, in a matter of hours. So, watch watch Valley Uprising first. It'll give you a, a lot more respect for for what he did. So anyway, uh, put those on the list. So back to the work thing. Um, I think it's something that as employees we we all struggle with in that we come to work and we have a set day job to do, which is really like like game time. And if you know if you've ever played sports, it's hard to work on and master techniques in game. Mm-hmm. It's practice where you work on new techniques and you you work on mastering. Um, those techniques and then the game it just needs to come out the game is going too fast to to be able to master new techniques so if we if we if we draw that parallel back to the work world uh, as employees during the workday that's usually game time right and it's it's very difficult to pick up new techniques and master techniques during game time so how do we do it and i will say from a consulting services perspective that was always the most difficult thing to do and um, especially in in services where you have utilization rates and things that dictate how you operate and spending my most of my career in services I was always asked to bill something like 37 or 38 hours a week so in those two other non-billable hours if those weren't taken up by non-billable meetings or anything I was supposed to do career development I didn't want to do career development in those last couple hours. So at, at 33 sticks, you know, we've we've made that a priority to say, look, 20% of your time needs to be on development. And, and, and maybe that's probably not enough, but at least that's going to give us some time to work on mastering our, you know, techniques, picking up new skills. Have you seen other employers, not necessarily in the services space? I, I know I had an employer, uh, Spark Networks, that did something similar every Friday afternoon. Uh, they had what was called Mingle Labs, where you had free time to, to make, basically hack on, on new things and work on new techniques. Have you seen other employers do that? And how important do you think it is to have a set period of time that's not just work, quote unquote, game time, but practice to, to work on new skills and techniques? Mm-hmm. Um, the employers that I've been at, um, they've done it, but kind of looking back, it felt a little more like, like lip service. Um, or there's one employer in particular, they did, they did do it and they stuck to it, but I felt like it wasn't frequent enough. Um, so this is probably the first place where it's stressed. Like you need to make sure that you take time to do this, come up with, you know, something other than, than client work. And, and, you know, I've seen some fruits of it. I think the, the podcast is one. Um, it, it, it gives, you know, for me, a, a creative outlet to do something different, uh, do something a little original. Um, but it, it, it's still something that um, I know I struggle with, again, to overuse the term for this week, master. 
<laughs> the mastery of, of it um, because I know I'm the, the person who's like, you know, you need to get all this client work done. Um, that being said, um, it, it, I think it is important. It, um, I, I, I equate sometimes work, you know, the, the, the client work, the, the deliverable work, that time almost puts you in a fight or flight mode. Like, you know, you're, you're rushing to get it done. You're constantly dealing with deadlines, whether they're self-imposed deadlines, deadlines from somebody else, part of a larger project that has a very strict deliverable date, um, however you want to look at it. Um, so it kind of puts you into that flight or flight, fight or flight mode uh, where th that's how people burn out. That's how people uh, overstress about getting stuff done, where that time to just sit back and it's not that you're not doing anything. It's, it, it, it's time that allows you to um, have some kind of creative outlet or learn some new kind of skill. Um, and you can kind of pace it yourself so that it, it kind of relaxes the mind and helps take some of the stress away. Sure. How much do you think, did my voice just crack right there? Um, I think a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much of, what I've been calling the shiny object in the sand syndrome, do you think plays into lack of mastery in the business world? Um, meaning how much do you think that us chasing the newest buzz word or trend takes away from mastering the basics of our craft? And, and the reason I bring it up is Matt Gershoff tweeted something yesterday about, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to look for it. Um, tweeted something about AI and, and how maybe it's better if, um, we, we focus on, on the basics. So respond to that while I look it up. Cause I want to find his actual. Yeah, wording. no, I, I jumped in on that one too. I remember that, 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 that conversation and Jim Gordon's response was the best. Um, what was Jim Gordon? Oh yeah. The, um, we need, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but it's something like we, we need strong data beavers to build a data uh, a data dam on our data river, so we can build a data lake or something like that. You know, taking like all of like you know data everything. Uh, so right. that, that that was really funny. Um, right. it, it definitely plays a role. I've been um, I've been talking about the shiny object syndrome for years as well. Um, there was one agency I was a part of for for a while. And they would, they would absolutely jump on every little thing. Priorities were constantly shifting. And so what happens is, is you, people became, they, they knew just enough to be dangerous about a lot of things Yeah. instead of being focused on one thing. And this actually goes back to what we talked about last week too, when we were talking about, you know, having a mentor and, yeah. you know, I was talking about how, you know, in, in, in the, in the professional trades, they have the master and apprentice relationship. And that master has been working at his job or you know her job for 20, 25 years at this point. So they've, they've, they've seen it and their job is to um, not just impart the hard skills, but also the soft skills on how to focus and how to make sure you're the best at what you do. And since they've been around the block so many times, they, they know when something is a fad versus when something is for real. So I think in the business world, since, and this is something I, I've been saying for at least 10 years, I think we're, we're definitely lacking that kind of formal setup or even an informal setup at times with that whole master and apprentice, you have people that are just chasing the latest buzzword. Um, so they learn just enough to be dangerous 
about yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to that because that's going to put us down a different path. But here's here's Matt Gershoff's tweet. Rather than everyone learning AI, which is right now kind of the current uh, buzz that we need to be on from an analytics perspective, uh, rather than everyone learning AI, perhaps the curriculum could include a solid grounding in basic stats and inference. Mm -hmm. While I am not the sharpest tack, I have a degree in AI and I have no idea what VCs are talking about when they talk about AI. Uh, so I'm not sure what drove that that tweet, but you know he brings up a, a really good point is that in, in this industry, especially, we're, we're constantly chasing the newest kind of buzz that's out there. And we've really not focused on gaining really deep mastery of, of even the basics. And I want to take this down a different path because I don't know if I mentioned this. I, I did a um, – I had a session at one of the Observe Point conferences that I spoke at. And I, I talked about some of the reasons why I believe tenure is short in the analytics industry I may have referenced it on a previous podcast, I don't remember, but you, you reminded me of it as you were talking, how much of the lack of uh, expectations um, or desire, I don't want to even say desire, there's, there's such a low bar for what businesses' expectations are for the digital analyst um, that unless you're really self-motivated, do we even have to achieve mastery? By, by that I mean, you know, you can get in an organization with just some surface level knowledge and wow them because they have no idea what the hell's going on. You know, so you get in there and say, well, I can manipulate GA, you know, with the snap of my fingers or let me talk about all these buzzwords about Adobe Analytics that you've never heard of and business are like, wow, this is the person we need. Um, and then they get in there and they use their surface level knowledge for 12 to 18 months until the business finally grows tired and says, well, when are you going to start producing results? And they're like, uh-oh, I'm going to go to my next job who's, you know, I'll find another company that uh, is going to be enamored by some of the the lingo. But there's not there's not really a emphasis on developing mastery because I have yet to see organizations that are really demanding mastery at a deep level when it comes to digital analytics. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I have too small of a sample set, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. No, I would agree with that. And it actually brings up something that just happened to me recently. Um, joined a client on a call with another agency where th th there's, I'm going to preface this, like there, there's, netness, there's not competition between the two of us. Um, they're supposed to be building a solution which is complementary to the solutions that, that, that we offer. So I wanted to put that out there and I even talked to them afterwards. It's like, I, I, I'm not, when I give you my concerns, I'm not, this isn't sour grapes. This isn't some kind of contest. It, it the, the, we're, we're looking for an and both solution here, you know, but um, when I'm, I was watching what they were pre presenting, they were using a lot of buzzwords, but ultimately if you were looking at the solution they were providing, I'm like, they're, they're not necessarily providing you with anything new. It are, what are they supposed to be providing? Right now, I'm seeing a point-to-point -point solution with no scalability that only solves for one use case. The platform that they're presenting to use should be something much bigger, should be something that you're not just taking one source of data, bringing it in and sending it out. Where you're getting that data from, it could already do that. So you're, you're duplicating functionality. If you're looking to bring in multiple sources of data, create very detailed profiles, create models, 
then yes, the platform they're recommending is using is worth using it. Other than that, you know, they're they're offering you a point solution to implement something for the sake of implementing something. Yeah. But yes, but I, I think because they were able to use certain words, certain lingo, um, certain acronyms, it looked like it was something that was adding to it when I, to, to me it was just duplicating. Yeah. So so how do we how do we boil this down to some actionable pieces so we we've really been focused on some really great analogies especially in the athletic realm how, how do we kind of boil that down to some takeaways for our audience which are primarily analysts business focused people um in 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 my mind uh, and then i'll let you give your your thoughts it mm-hmm. it really comes down to practice and consistency but I think it's also an acceptance that if you're in it for the long game, not only is it okay, it's absolutely critical that you start with the basics and you build maturity over time. And if I go back to the piano analogy, you know, we would all like to be able to sit down and play an amazing piece that a, a master would sit down and, and play, but you can't just sit down and play that unless you're, you know, a select few child prodigies. You have to work and work and work to get to that level. And while I may be able to pull out a few bars here and there and hack my way through it and impress a, a person or two, I'm, I'm, I'm fooling myself, right? It's not the way that you get to mastery. And it's not about impressing others. It's about having that self-confidence and discipline that I've achieved something. And that really helps me grow as a, as a person. So bringing it back to, to business and, and maybe more specifically analytics it's, it's much more important to identify the basics and develop a mastery plan for you and be okay with that and spend the time to master each level before you jump ahead 20 levels to whatever the next buzz is and say, I'm going to go from being, you know, really struggling with the basics to now I'm going to start dabbling in building AI and models just because that's what everyone's doing. And again, I may be able to impress someone or, or, or two by putting together a blog post that uses a few buzzwords or visuals, but I'm I'm fooling myself, right? right? And I think I'm only hurting myself that I'm holding myself back from becoming a true master and really developing the skills to, to be invaluable to organizations by first focusing on the basics and then going through a proven path of mastery through repetition and developing uh, maturity over time. And you can't do that by running after the the next thing here and there. And that's fine if that's your goal, but you have to sit down and, and work towards it over time. If you, if you truly want to become a master of your craft. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the, the consistency piece um and what i want to do is like offer some some examples of what i do um that being said everyone needs to find what what works best for them but i think at the root of each of them is the consistency to do it over you know over and over again and, and continue to, to to hone you know th- that that uh, lack of a better word practice um you know, I, I was practice, thinking I, I, I was thinking back to what you had asked earlier about like when i had first come aboard some of the technical skills i mean i by no means am a developer i don't have that kind of background but i need to know at least some some basic to intermediate level of, of javascript and html to be able to do my job 
And and part of it was just practicing and breaking stuff, not in production though. Over you know, time and time again to to really get to it. And am I by any means a master at it? No, but I've developed at least a level of proficiency that makes me skilled at it, so that 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 I can use it. Um, and for me, that, that that's a bit of an accomplishment. But a couple of things that I do again, kind of going back to like the the root of the question, like how to not get caught up in a frantic pace. The first thing is, as I mentioned it earlier, having a to-do list and an active to-do list that I'm constantly readjusting. Um, and part of that too, with that, that, that to-do list is building enough of a rapport with the people you work with internally, externally, whatnot, on how you come up with the level of prioritization. Because for everybody, their thing is the biggest emergency. Mm-hmm. So it, it's coming up with how is this prioritized and you know, the thing this way. So this way things don't just immediately jump to the top of the list. So the stuff, other things just linger there. Um, that, that, that's one key. Um, the other thing, and this is something I've been working at for at least six weeks now. And I know the whole concept of mindfulness is kind of turning into a bit of a fad, but it has its roots in really worthwhile practices uh, of meditation. You've mentioned it to me, having like a routine of just taking 10 minutes to quiet the mind in the morning. Uh, my coach at the gym, he's been practicing it for a year and he says it's done wonders. And, he, and this is also where consistency comes in. You're not going to do it once or twice and immediately see the benefits of it. You need to do things for weeks on end until it becomes second nature. So one of the things toward the beginning of the year that I integrated was, is before I start my day, um, I, I sit down. I've got like a couple of guided meditation tracks. I put my headphones on and just use that to kind of slow the mind down because I know for me, when the pace picks up, when things get crazy, I, my, 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 um, default mode is to just jump in and freak out. Um, so again, it's six weeks in, am I starting to see some benefits? Yes. Maybe is it placebo as well? Yes. We'll see, but it, it, it's, it's something that I feel as if I continue to hone it. I've talked to enough people that they said, if you do it, you do it right. And you don't think of it as a fad and you just do it when you want to, it will help keep the mind centered so that you don't fly off the handle when, 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 when something happens. And then just one other thing, and this also goes back to the previous conversation is, is, is find a mentor. So when you do have those moments where things seem like they're spiraling out of control, Find that person who you could talk to to help kind of bring you back and help you see the bigger picture again. So, again, find, you know, find what works for you. But those are three things that I've worked on over the years and some new things I've integrated that kind of help me control the pace so I'm able to, to again, get better at what I do. I'm going to put you on the hook for writing a follow-up blog post to outline those items. I think that would make an awesome written post. Um, that we should put out. Okay. Uh, awesome. This was this was a great discussion. Um, as always, I'm 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 a little skeptical that we're going to be able to fill the time with with meaningful discussion, but we do it every time. Hopefully, yeah. I, think I told you fifty minutes. Yeah, it's 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 a great discussion. Um, lots lots for people to take away and and think about. I I'll just say, finally, to kind of wrap up, you know, mastery is a is an individual pursuit and it's something that needs to be internally that is is driven by you 
Uh, so if, if you're going down the path of mastery, whatever it is that you're trying to master, do it for yourself. You know, don't do it for the outside accolades or appearances that will get you on the absolute wrong track. Do it because it's something that, that you want to master. And secondarily, if you run a team, if you have employees that work for you, please dedicate some of their time to allowing them to, to master their craft and support them, whether it's through mentoring, uh, giving them learning opportunities, or just free time in which they can, they can master their craft. You, you owe that to your employees and you'll all be better off for, for doing that. So, um, that, that is going to be my challenge to, to everyone, um, to listening is, is do, do your mastery path for yourself. And if you have the ability to create time for people because you run a team, please uh, prioritize some time and allow your your team to work on on the things that that they want to master. So awesome, excuse me, awesome conversation. We miss John. Hopefully, we'll get him back uh, next time. Yep, uh, definitely. So um, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up for you know, wrap up there and uh, talk to everybody later. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks. 